Good evening. Our top story tonight. T. Higgins is expected to be franchise tagged by the Cincinnati Bengals. The fourth-year receiver was set to potentially hit the open market, and Cincinnati potentially was finding themselves in a situation to not be able to bring the receiver back, but then the NFL salary cap was released and everything changed. We'll talk what his return means for Cincinnati going forward. We'll also talk about some franchise tag candidates across the league, some expected candidates, some unexpected candidates. And we'll also talk about the league shifting salary cap changes that were just recently announced. As we know, the NFL salary cap got a huge increase this weekend. So we will talk about what that means for the league and what that means for individual teams going forward in 2024. And finally, we'll end the show discussing news for Levante David and Xavier Howard. And that all starts now on Player Profiler Today. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Player Profiler Today. I am your Saturday host, Matt Babich. Do ignore the banner on the bottom. Um, we got one for we got one for Toomey, we got one for Bradley, we got one for Ahan. We don't we don't have a banner with a name for for old Matt Babbage. So uh, I am your host tonight, Matt Babbage. You can find me here on this YouTube channel, on our Facebook channel, on our Twitter account, on our X account. I guess I should say weekly on Saturdays for Player Profiler today. So let's get right into our top story. T Higgins will be a Cincinnati Bengal. I went on the record in my free agent outlook series saying that I expected this exact scenario to happen, though my tone about the decision was very different in that point in time where I pinned it as a mistake for the Cincinnati Bengals to spend their funds on T. Higgins on a $20 million franchise tag when they have holes to repair in their offensive line and a defense that needs to be completely up-leveled. Now, with the NFL salary cap changes, the Cincinnati Bengals have a roughly an extra $13 million in additional funds that they were not expecting to have. So right off the bat, roughly 70% of T. Higgins' franchise value is already spoken for. You know, this is free money and, and money they weren't expecting to receive. And as a team in your Super Bowl window, that's how you need to use that cash. You have to spend a certain amount of money. You have to spend money somewhere. And if you're going to get 13 mil in dollars that they were already planning out their roster moves on the expected $242 million salary cap mark, and then out of nowhere, you get an extra $13 million. So my tone on the signing has changed. I do believe that this is a more forward-thinking decision from the Cincinnati Bengals front office. This is a player who has extensive chemistry with Joe Burrow. He has experience in the playoffs. He has experience playing in a Super Bowl. And talk all you want about how the Cincinnati Bengals got to that Super Bowl, but they were a few plays away 
from walking home with the Lombardi trophy. So this Cincinnati Bengals team is in, in their Super Bowl window. I know Joe Burrow said it's his windows his whole career, but unfortunately we know that's that's not necessarily the case with the way contract structures work and and how hard it's been for anybody whose name isn't Patrick Mahomes to win a Super Bowl or go to a Super Bowl on a veteran contract, uh, on an expensive veteran contract. Matthew Stafford's is, is a little bit more team-friendly, but this is not an easy thing to do. And so the Cincinnati Bengals are going to try and keep this offense together, this offense that has plenty of experience together. We're talking Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon. Tyler Boyd will be the odd man out. We've already seen reports that Tyler Boyd will not return to the team. But that's an easy role to fill, especially with this draft class. Tyler Boyd is the quintessential player to replace in free agency. And so that's a sharp move by the franchise. And bringing their number two in is is something that I'm in favor for. While I am still on the side that a better replacement for T Higgins at cost is out there. There's some nuance to this where number one, Marvin Harrison Jr. And Malik neighbors will be far gone by the Cincinnati, by the time the Cincinnati Bengals draft. So your choice comes down to T Higgins or potentially one of Romo dunes and Troy Franklin. And after that, you're starting to take some real dart throws. So even with O'Dunes and, and Franklin, the certainty that that T Higgins wields is is far greater than either of those rookies. As as much as I like both of them as prospects, as much as I expect both of them to succeed at the NFL level, they have nowhere near the same amount of certainty as T Higgins. And there's not another option in free agency that would make sense for the Cincinnati team, barring maybe Mark Marquise Brown. So the only option for Cincinnati to maintain this offense and maintain their Super Bowl odds was to retain T Higgins on the franchise tag. So this was this was their best move, this was their only move. But I want to go on the record saying that T Higgins is not what this franchise needs. He he's not a number 1. I know we heard a lot about how good T Higgins would be if he were in Carolina or the number one option on an insert bad team here. Uh, and I'm not buying that either. He is a number two at best. Uh, uh, Higgins has no, no seasons over a thousand receiving yards, no seasons over eight touchdowns. He has one season as a fantasy wide receiver one. He struggles to separate. And the further we get from 2021, the more that season becomes an anomaly. You know, right now it's his saving grace because he showed his ceiling while Jamar Chase was in that offense. But it's one out of four years. His second highest finish in fantasy points per game was 13.1. That was wide receiver 26. And he's constantly propped up as a top 20 receiver. I don't necessarily see it. And so... When you look at the data on playerprofile.com, this this starts becoming evidently clear. And if you want to go more into the weeds than just what's on the player profiles, Player Profiler has this amazing tool called the Data Analysis Tool. And I'm going to kick it to the Podfather to tell you more about that. We'll be right back on Player Profiler today. 
All right, I want to take a moment today to talk to you about data analysis. The data analysis tool, we listen to the users, what do you want, what do you need, and we made it happen. We added popular reports like a fantasy scoring report, air yards report, and if you want to create a new report but you don't necessarily want to look through every field, we have quick results. Hey, show me the most popular passing data, show me the most popular rushing data, fantasy data. Done. And the thing just is much faster than it's ever been. And the report builder got a lot easier. I mean, check this out. We break it down into offense, defense. Show me just fantasy data elements. And then when you get results, hey, show me by draft year. Let's take a look at just certain players that played a certain number of snaps or a certain number of games last year. This is the tool that so many of you have been asking for, plus a bunch of dream features that Billy wanted and Cody wanted and I wanted and Dario wanted. So go to the Fantasy Tools section, click on Data Analysis, or go to playerprofiler.com slash data-analysis. We are back with Player Profiler today. I'm your host, Matt Babich. Go to playerprofiler.com slash data-analysis. It is truly an incredible tool. I use it nearly every day here. Now... We, we talked about T. Higgins. Let's move on to some other franchise tag candidates across the league. We'll start in Jacksonville, where there's a lot of buzz right now about what's going to happen with Calvin Ridley. And what's not being talked about is the fact that Josh Allen is going to get this team's franchise tag. So this has been stated Back in January, I believe first by by PFF, but I, I could be wrong there, so apologies if I am, but this was first reported that the organization is, is ready to retain Josh Allen at whatever cost. And as we know, by the time you hit this period in the offseason, if you as a player are not already extended, there is a divide between your value and the structure that, that you are seeking versus what that organization is prepared to offer. And these negotiations don't happen overnight. They occur over months and months and months. And we've seen this now time and time again, where the team is not willing to risk these contracts turning sour and, and having somebody walk away. So when they have a right to franchise tag a given player, they're going to do that. Uh, because that gives them the security of not losing the player, gives them time to sort out that extension. But even if they sign an extension, they still use the franchise tag. And teams are only allowed to use one franchise tag. So this disqualifies Calvin Ridley from being retained via the franchise tag. The other piece to Calvin Ridley returning to Jacksonville is the fact that they owe the Atlanta Falcons a second-round pick in this year's draft if they sign Calvin Ridley. So effectively Calvin Ridley will be signing for a $20 million contract, a near $20 million contract with the opportunity cost of drafting somebody in the second round of the draft. That's too expensive. So any report that says the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to bring back Calvin Ridley is not one that I'm willing to buy. It doesn't make sense for this team to bring back Calvin Ridley. Their passing offense was fine without him. Christian Kirk was the better receiver when they were both healthy. This team doesn't need Calvin Ridley. And they're not going to bring Calvin Ridley back. They only have $30 million to spend. It's not a lot. 
when you need to retain Josh Allen and spend at other premium positions. This is still a degraded offensive line. They can't protect Trevor Lawrence. The defense is porous. This team has so many other problems than Calvin Ridley. But thankfully, pass rusher is not going to be one of them because Josh Allen is going to remain a Jaguar. Moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who step into an interesting situation where they have three premium positions entering free agency. And obviously, they can only keep one of them via franchise tag. So we have Mike Evans, we have Baker Mayfield, and we have safety Antoine Winfield. Now the thing is, Mike Evans is a 31-year-old wide receiver veteran. Baker is a journeyman quarterback who still hasn't proven excellence to be in an elite contract here. So it leaves Antoine Winfield as, as truly the only option, the only reasonable option to retain in free agency. Levante David even at it four premium positions hitting free agency. Levante David uh, being a 34-year-old veteran is certainly not one you're going to franchise tag. So Antoine Winfield is expected to be franchise tagged by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers while they work out a long-term extension potentially with their elite starting safety. That's a position they need to retain. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, the ability to stifle the offense, the likes of the Philadelphia Eagles, and compete with the Detroit Lions, that's a core that needs to be protected. And, and, and Antoine Winfield is, is one of the biggest pieces to that defense. It's one of the biggest pieces to a Super Bowl winning defense. That's a piece you want to keep around for as long as possible. Now, what does this mean for Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans? Well, Mike Evans, by the day, it starts getting more unlikely that he returns to Tampa Bay. We have not heard a lot of buzz saying that Mike Evans is going to remain a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. We have heard buzz saying that Mike Evans may be going to other teams. And so the closer we get to the new league year and free agency opening, we're about a half we're about a half month away, 0.75 months away from free agency opening. And we have heard very, very little rumors that Mike Evans is going to remain a Buccaneer. So at the end of the day, I still think it gets done and they bring him back, him and Baker back. Uh, when Tampa Bay really sits down and looks at their options, you're a team that won the you know the worst division in in NFL football. You managed to win a playoff game. You nearly managed to go to the NFC Championship game. Where do you go if you don't have Baker and Mike Evans? What do you do? You better get Kirk Cousins. That's not going to happen, but. What else are you going to, who else are you going to throw in a quarterback if it's not Baker Mayfield? And I love Chris Godwin. I love Chris Godwin. But he alone cannot carry this Tampa Bay receiving game. They work, they are so good because they're together. I'm not saying either one of them are dependent on having the other there, but their skill set complement each other in such a way that it makes this offense so tough to stop. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' only option is to do whatever it takes to bring back both of those players. We'll talk a little bit more about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the next segment. We won't give away too much there, but 
We'll talk about Carolina, who will likely be franchise tagging Brian Burns. This should not be a surprise as Brian Burns is set to get a massive contract and the Carolina Panthers are not a desirable destination right now. Now they got a new head coach, but the front office structure is essentially still the same. The same guy upstairs that that's calling all the shots. So Brian Burns can get a contract anywhere, uh, especially with the new salary cap. Uh, it really opens up his options to, to go to a competitive team. We'll talk about some of the teams that are competitive and also sitting pretty in cap space right now. There's a good amount of them, and I'm sure one of them would be extremely interested in signing Brian Burns and giving him the bag, but Carolina has to retain some pieces. They have to try and make themselves a competent football team, even though they're not trying to win right now. They don't have their 2024 first-round pick. They're going to suck no matter what but it's about saving face, keeping guys like Brian Burns around, trying to build some culture. And that starts with a guy, a veteran like Brian Burns in the locker room, leading the defense. And there's not much else the Carolina Panthers can do this season to, to win football games. They got to spend some cap space. They're going to get a receiver. Uh, they're probably going to overpay an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. They're going to overpay a few people, a few veterans, and they're going to stink again. And Brian Burns is probably going to be the 2025 franchise tag candidate for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the poor guy is trapped in Carolina and there's nothing he can do about it. He's going to be a Carolina Panther next year. A Another receiver that's going to get the franchise tag is Colts receiver Michael Pittman Jr., this was reported a while back, uh, not, not made official yet, but Michael Pittman Jr. has already been on the record saying that while he would prefer to get the security of a multi-year deal, he is very okay with playing football for $20 million. So good on Michael Pittman Jr. to have some sense. Uh, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's that's retire money. So while he would obviously prefer the security of a long-term contract, that's what all these players want and deserve. But the reality is it's not how the business can work right now with the way it's set up and good on Michael Pittman jr. For understanding that $20 million is life changing money. And he will go out there. He'll give it his all. He'll have another great season and he'll earn himself another 17 plus million dollars in AAV and probably sign a multi-year deal going into next season. So Michael Pittman Jr. will remain a Colt. He seems unmoved by the fact that it's a franchise tag move. He seems to understand the business side of the situation and understands that at the end of the day, this is about the Colts going to win a Super Bowl. So Michael Pittman Jr. will remain a Colt. The Colts will remain one of the most competitive teams in the game. They are going to take a step forward next year with Anthony Richardson. It's going to be really exciting. It's a team that barely missed the playoffs. It's going to be really exciting to see what happens with AR 15 and number 11 back in this offense next year. Uh, while we're on the topic of receivers, we could talk about Cardinals receiver Marquise Brown again, before the salary cap changes, this is not something I would have necessarily expected, but now with all this extra cash, Maybe it makes sense. I don't think 
Marquise Brown is worth $20 million. So this isn't a likely outcome. But if Marquise Brown doesn't want to stay and the Cardinals have other plans with their roster, they may opt to tag him. So this is a, this is a soft maybe on Marquise Hollywood Brown, and we can transition from soft maybe to firm yes with the Bears' Jalen Johnson. Uh, another safety option for a team that is desperate to hold on to this momentum that they built towards the end of last season. They're going to take Caleb Williams with the number one overall pick. They want to provide a good defense to set him up in positive game script situations. So they're going to franchise tag Jalen Johnson to, to keep up that defense. Now, we're going to end this segment on three people who I do not think will get the franchise tag. I've seen conflicting reports, but I do not expect Saquon Barkley to get franchise tagged by the New York Giants. I do not expect Tony Pollard to be franchise tagged by the Dallas Cowboys. That one's a near certainty. And I do not expect Josh Jacobs to be franchise tagged by the Las Vegas Raiders. The salary cap does play into Barkley and Jacobs. That could be the reason they get they get kept because that nearly covers their entire salary under the salary cap. I think it does cover their entire salary under the salary cap. So those are the franchise tag candidates across the league. Now we're 21 minutes in. We will end the show talking about the NFL salary cap. So it increased to $255 million per team in 2024. This is a $30 million increase. This is nearly unprecedented. Nearly, if not the largest increase in salary cap we've ever seen. And the projection was around $242 million. It's an extra $13 million that came out of nowhere. And if you are like me and you look at websites like Over the Cap or Spotrack, you, you go to their team cap page and it looks so much different now. I mean, the rich get richer. Uh, the, the middle class, if you will, is now the upper middle class. And teams that were severely cap-strapped are, are not in a bad spot now. So this is huge for the league and how all these teams are going to maneuver their contracts. It's biggest for the bottom two-thirds, right? The bottom third in cap space, people who are over the cap, near the cap, now have some wiggle room to spend or extremely less money to cut or restructure. And then the the middle third is now looking at a group of competitive teams that now have an indulgence of cap space to get rid of. So I'm going to oh in a second I'm going to pull up the I'm going to pull up Spo track and we'll walk through these teams but uh as to why this increase happened no it wasn't Taylor Swift necessarily she probably had something to do with it, but per Kevin Patra, this is quote, partially the result of full repayment of all amounts advanced by clubs and deferred by the players during the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as significant new media deals coinciding with recent regular season and playoff expansion, end quote. So new media deals playing into the equation, as well as uh, some some loans that were were created during the COVID-19 era that have now been been repaid and 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 essentially all the money that had to be 
moved around and juggled during the COVID-19 pandemic, all the things that had to be done to, to put the 2020 season on have now been fully realized and, and everything's essentially, uh, uh, coming out even in the books. So, so we're finally kind of over the, the COVID-19 pandemic reportedly from the NFL's perspective in terms of the, the monetary moves that they had to make to, to make that season happen. So, uh, and, and further almost forgot this piece. There's an expected $74 million per club being added for things like player incentives. So let that sink in $74 million per club. That's a lot of money and player incentives have become become a big part of these contracts. And now they can start throwing dollars at people for having really good seasons, lowering the, a, the, the dead cap and the cap requirement or the cap allocation that these players are taking. And so this is a big move for the league and we will pull up spot track to talk about some individual teams. All right, so we got Spotrack loaded up here. And then we're going to start at the bottom. First of all, we talked about how much cap all these teams got. New Orleans and Buffalo still 30 plus million dollars over the cap. That's uh that's pretty incredible. That's that is pretty incredible. The Chargers now, this is pretty significant. They're only 20 million dollars over the cap. They were originally sitting somewhere near 44 million. Uh, by the time the the league year ended, and now they're only sitting at twenty million dollars, so significantly less money to move around. They're a team that's going to be restructuring a lot in the upcoming weeks, especially with Jim Harbaugh taking over and trying to create his roster. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are now only three million dollars over the cap. This is going to be extremely easy to shuffle around. They're essentially already under. This is going to be really quick for them to maneuver. And it'll likely even give them some wiggle room to to sign some veterans and try and piece together this team that that fell short of making noise in the playoffs, let alone a Super Bowl appearance appearance. Let me go to some of these teams in the middle here. We have the Jets with $20 million to spend. They're going to be looking to add another receiver to the mix. They have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Most of their spending needs to be done on the offensive end. They now get a lot of wiggle room now and can even restructure some of Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' contract again to save up some space there. So the New York Jets are going to be making some significant strides in terms of their roster construction this year. They have the money to do that. And right above them, the two-time two or two-time straight Super Bowl champs, Kansas City Chiefs, have over 28 million, excuse me, in cap space to work with. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of cap space for a team like Kansas City, who is young at a lot of premium positions, and they already have some veterans locked up. Uh, Chris Jones is is going to be coming back to this team. I mean, they're obviously the odds-on favorite next year to win the Super Bowl again, and now they have a ton of money to figure out how to retool some of these positions that they don't feel like they can draft their way out of. The Jacksonville Jaguars have $30 million in cap space. A significant amount of that is going to go to Josh Allen's contract. But the important thing is 
they now have some wiggle room outside of that contract to spend on a line and other pieces in their defense that they need to shore up. So that's a significant boost for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know the theme is a significant boost for everybody, but in some of these positions, it, it, it matters a lot more. Uh, like the Philadelphia Eagles having $32 million to spend is really big. Their hole showed up a lot last year. So did the wear and tear from, from the season that the, the going to the Super Bowl took out on them. They got exposed in a lot of areas, but they're still young at premium positions. And having $32 million to add around Jalen Hurts' veteran QB contract is, is going to be significant. And then you have the teams like the Atlanta Falcons and the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings now have $41 million in the books. That's a lot of money to go spend around. Now we know there's only so many free agents. So I'm, I'm, this is, this is going to be really interesting to see how this affects the market because there's a limited amount of free agents. This isn't an overwhelming free agent class. And now all of these teams have a surplus of money. So we're going to see that Christian Kirk, you know, that Nelson Aguilar, that these ridiculous contracts, because these teams have to spend this money somewhere. So it's going to be it's going to be so interesting. This might be one of the most interesting free agency periods that we've had because of there's now a cash surplus over the market and there's a limited amount of talent to absorb that. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this crash course ends up playing out. We're going to scroll up to the the top half here and let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. $42 million to spend. They had a stifling defense, an incredible secondary with talented pass rushers. And they have the tools on the outside on offense. They have the tools in the backfield. They don't have a quarterback. So the Atlanta Falcons now with $42 million, if they make some smart moves, I'm willing to take Atlanta Falcons futures to win the NFC South. Because... In terms of rosters and age and production, we have passing ships with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. One roster getting older, getting less productive. One getting new coaches, new quarterback, ascending, cheap at premium positions. They have the ability to spend on more offensive line, more linebackers. I don't know. Whatever they need, they have the money to cover it. We have teams that were heavy competitors that now have 50 plus million dollars in cap space. The Bengals are cash flooded. The Lions, $66 million in a team that nearly went to the Super Bowl. $74 million for a team that went to the playoffs and is one of the younger teams in the league. They have their offense nearly set. They're going to sign Tony Pollard in free agency. Spoiler alert. They have their offense set. They have a good defense. And they have $74 million to, to figure out who to throw at people. The Colts have nearly $80 million. Bears, 82. Titans, 85. Patriots, 86. Commanders, $96 million in cap space. Now, here's where the interesting part is. How are the commanders going to spend $96 million, right? They can't. They can't just spend all of it. But they have to spend some of it. 
A team must spend at least 89% of the salary cap over a four-year period or be forced to pay the difference to those players rostered over that four-year span. So if Washington doesn't spend enough money to hit that 89% threshold this season, they then have to forfeit the difference, whatever they didn't spend, and divvy that up amongst the players that were in their roster beforehand. So New England, Tennessee, Chicago, even Indy, Houston, Washington especially, are going to be in a position where they're probably going to overpay somebody. I wouldn't. Each of those teams are going to overpay somebody because they simply have to spend money and there's only so much money they can spend on, on giving people. They're only going to make roster additions that make sense. They're not going to sign somebody just because they have cash space available. So how does that balance work out? They overpay the person that they're paying to come on the roster and they just, you know, they take on some bad contracts. That's what you have to do in this league. And then when you're in trouble, you restructure them, you get it to work. So these teams are going to make it work, but having a ton of cap space isn't, isn't the coolest thing in the world. You know, there's only so many people you can sign and they're going to go to other places. So it's nice to have that, but it's nicer when you're a team like Detroit that doesn't have a lot of holes to fill. And not when you're a team like New England or Washington that's that's really far away from competing. So I'll end the show on this. We're talking about cap space. We're talking about free agency. I want you in the comments below. We'll respond to each of them. Tell me who your number one signing is for free agency. For example, I think Tony Pollard is going to unlock this Houston Texans run game. And Tony Pollard to Houston is my free agent signing of the year. Let's hear yours in the chat.